Hey, welcome back. This is the Relax Running Podcast brought to you by relaxrunning.com. I'm Tyson Popplestone. Good to have you back here for another episode. Hey, this episode is brought to you by Rundy's Undies Athletic Wear. I've told you about them before. Uh, former guest of the show, Jess Stenson, formerly Trengove, uh, created this company with her brother, Jack, in 2015 and her husband, Dylan. Can't leave him out. Let me tell you a bit about Rundies. They're smooth, breathable, supportive, and features soft bamboo fabric in the gusset. We were laughing about the gusset last time I was here. It's a fancy word. It means the material is sewn into a garment to strengthen or enlarge a part of it. So I, uh, I thought I'd better share that with you to save you. Go on to dictionary.com. Uh, their range in, uh, they've got a range for men, women, and they include jocks, trunks, brief, crop tops, and as I told you last time, a cheeky little G-string. Um, Jess has put together a coupon code for Relax Running Podcast listeners. So all in capitals, RELAX30. So R-E-L-A-X-3-0. So if you go to rundies.com.au, any purchase that you want to make, you'll get 30% off. Thanks to Jess, Dylan, and Jack at Rundies. Guys, uh, on the show today, we've got Jack Bruce, a uh, real hotshot in the Australian athletic scene at the moment. It was uh, it was really good to sit down and, and have a chat with him. He's currently quarantined up in, not quarantined because he's sick, just quarantined with the rest of the state of Queensland. Uh, he's uh, he's not going out of Queensland, we're not going in, so I gave him a call via Skype and we chatted for a bit over an hour, um, just about his progress, his experience, his, um, you know, his COVID, he hasn't got COVID, but I'm making him sound like he's so sick, he's not, He's he's a healthy man. He's uh he's just been quarantined like everyone else pretty much up in Queensland. So I uh, I watched this guy at Zatapec for uh, his 10k where he ran like 28:15, came third in one of the hottest field I reckon ever assembled in Australian 10k Zatapec history. And the guru who's uh, can't really say regular on the show anymore. We got to get the guru back. But the guru he told me on the way to the meet that night he goes, "Oi, watch out for this bloke called Jack Bruce. He's going to surprise a lot of people." And uh, I said, no worries. All right, we'll wait and see. Needless to say, he did. So I've been watching the guy, uh, you know, pretty consistently over the over the track season here in Australia and was really disappointed that he wasn't going to get the chance to go over and try and qualify for the Olympics because far out the way he was running, I reckon he was, he was ready to do it. Um, yeah, really good conversation. I loved having a chat with him. Uh, we spoke a lot of things running, had a bit of general chat as well. Um, he threw out a little bit of dirt towards his MTC track mates at the end of it, which was which is a little bit of fun. All great blokes, all in love. So, um, hey, this was a really good episode. If you want more, we've uh, we've recorded some bonus features which are available to Relax Running members. Um, RelaxRunning.com/slash/join if you want to be a part of that. So, um, let me get out of your way and introduce the great man, Jack Bruce. I'm interested yeah. to, to kick start. Tell us a little bit about what's going up in, in in Queensland at the moment. So you mentioned the borders are the borders are locked. We're not coming in. You're not coming out. You just you're staying planted for a little while, hey? Yeah, I'm uh, stuck in Queensland for a little bit, which is not the. Um, it's starting to get cool, so the weather's starting to get pretty nice, um, which is good. So we, you know, it's uh, it's not like a summer month, like from probably November through till end of February, start of March, where it's really bad. Um, 
right now it's starting to get cool. Like, you know, the only, the tops are pretty like 26. Um, but you get some cooler mornings, cooler afternoons. So it's, uh, we're probably in the start of like the next six months of pretty good weather. So I'm excited for that. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I mean, same story as pretty much everywhere else. It's just kind of, you know, you can't, you can only really go. You can only go outside to exercise. Can't go with two more, more than two people. Um, which I mean, I do a lot of. I do a lot of training when I'm at home. I, I end up doing a lot of training on my own, so a lot of that's not too different. Um, but it's kind of. It does feel a bit weirder. There's less people around when I'm running, um, which which is good because I'm not dodging a whole lot of people on the on the bike path or anything like that. Um, yeah, so it's like I said, it's pretty much the same as everywhere else. It's just it's just a bit weirder. Yeah, it is. It's a it's a good way to put it. It is definitely weird. We were um we were down on the Victorian coast, just along the Great Ocean Road the other day. It definitely wasn't twenty six degrees down here, but um like the beaches were locked up and uh, so it's all like all the beaches and stuff are they all closed up in Queensland as well? Yeah, so uh, I think Noosa is not closed. I think that's still open at the moment. Um. But like Surfers Paradise, uh, three of the main beaches at the Gold Coast are closed. Um, I saw that in the paper the other day. Uh, they're not all closed, but I mean, oh, look, if, 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 the, if people keep being stupid and keep crowding on the beaches, they're all going to be closed. So, I mean, part of me is like, just close them all up anyway, and then we don't have to worry about it. But there are still some that are open. Yeah. yeah, everyone's. it's so funny how uh, when everyone's got so much time on their tan, their first priority is just to go and get a tan. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's oh, been no. interesting, man. What are you doing when you know you're downtime? Like, obviously, you're getting a bit of training and stuff done, but when you're not out on the track, what's, uh, what's um, a day in your life at the moment? Oh, uh, like, not a, whole, not a whole lot. I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep myself as busy as possible. Um, so, you know, I try and, try and help out around home as much as I can. Um, trying to uh, so I'm not I took this semester off uh, took this semester off uni just to try and make the uh, well just in like trying to make the Olympic team but then that got called off and that I didn't have any it was too late for me to sort of to enroll anything this semester so I'm hanging around till July when the second semester starts up again um, so at the moment I'm just finding anything I can to make myself <laughs> Busy as possible. I don't. I don't like. I, I try. I don't really enjoy just sitting around doing nothing. Um, yeah. So training is is a good escape. But uh, I mean, even even that sort of take it like it's not as intense uh, as it would be normally this time of year. Like like if this wasn't happening, I was supposed to be in Mount Laguna getting ready for Peyton Jordan for a ten k. Uh. So um, yeah. So that's so, you know it's a quite different picture to what. I was imagining was going to be happening. So, yeah, it's just, I think most of my days was running and then just trying to keep finding, finding ways to just keep myself busy until, well, once uni starts again in July, I'll be, um, that'll keep me pretty busy. So, I mean, I'm doing law, so it's, you know, it's a lot of, uh, a lot of busy work. But, um, yeah, at the moment, it's just like, I think yesterday I was, uh, I don't normally, I don't normally read the paper all that much. Um, I read more. I read more of the paper than I think I have in a while. Um, I've uh, yeah, just 
stuff like that. Just trying to just trying to keep myself busy. Really, it's so funny, man. Have you um have you have you uh, resorted to Tiger King yet? Have you seen it? It's talk of the town. Ta- it's a talk in the Popplestone household. Anyway, I'm not sure if as a lawyer you're going to admit that though. Oh, like, well, you know, I <laughs> I watched like three quarters of the first episode with my girlfriend, and we're both just like, I don't know, I couldn't get into it. I mean, more more she wasn't into it, but. I don't know. I might. I might give it. A, I might give it a watch just to see what see what's going on. Like I see all these memes on uh, Instagram and such, and um, so I might watch it just so that I can fully understand every all the memes and things that I see. But yeah, I wasn't. I didn't. I didn't really gravitate towards it the first time I watched it. Well, well, the first episode I watched, but. I know, we'll give it another watch and we'll see we'll see if my mind can be changed. It's a strange cat, man. I was laughing because my wife came home the other day. I was saying this to Andrew Weeding on um, on the podcast that just went out today that uh, she got home the other day and I had his I had one of his country tracks pumping. He's actually <laughs> he's got a bloody good voice, but it's uh, it's probably something that I shouldn't be admitting on the podcast because I don't think he's really well known for his uh, his music abilities. But um, man, I, I definitely agree with you. It's a, it's a funny time, just the amount of the amount of spare time that you have to try and fill in's been really interesting like usually I, I love my little morning coffee um getting up an hour early before work or whatever just to, to have a sip there and I, I get out there at the moment I go I've you know spend an hour out on the balcony and then I go, you know what I've, I could do another hour of this so it's uh, it's very easy to get stuck in a mm. in a uh you know a, a bit of a rut of, of not doing a whole lot but I'm the same as you man like even just getting out to I was going to say the gym but just going outside to to work out or go for a run's definitely a um definitely a bit of a release so it's a weird headspace though like a um i was planning on uh, running a marathon later in the year and i was just going to run melbourne and i'll be interested to see whether or not it goes ahead but even even for me who's not trying to make any big teams anymore it's like one of my um one of the things i've noticed is just that that motivation to train or that inspiration to get out and um really work hard it just doesn't seem super necessary at the moment based on the fact it's hard to know what you're training for have you found that yeah yeah, um, yeah. There's definitely definitely a few few days where I kind of uh, yeah I'm running and I I kind of think like I might not be racing for I might not be racing for six months. Like, what's the point of this? But um, I think for me, it just boils down to I really think it just boils down to I, I do enjoy what I do. I get a lot of pleasure out of running, so um, I'll always find a reason and find enjoyment in doing it. So I think um, whether whether I'm training for for something specific or not, I think I'll always get, I'll, you know, I'll always get out there and run. Um, but uh, I think the main thing for me is keeping routine. And so if there's one, you know, if there's, if I can keep a good routine with running and just keep, um, you know, even with no races and keep a good training routine, then that's uh, definitely good. Definitely good for the mental well being. I think, um, but one of my uh, one of my college teammates actually gave me a bit of bit of motivation. He was um, he did this uh, he was doing this challenge actually, which was to do you do forty eight miles in forty eight hours, and so you run four. So you have to do it four miles every four hours for forty eight hours. Yeah, I'm so, just trying to do the math right now. Yep. Yeah. So it's um, yeah, it's a lot of. You don't, you don't get much sleep. You gotta, yeah, you gotta try and, um, you really, like, you, you gotta try and space your food out. You don't get much sleep. So he was doing that. He, he finished it yesterday. So, um, yeah, he gave me, 
gave me a good bit, at least gave me a good bit of motivation on my long run yesterday when he was finishing it up. So yeah, so um, I don't know. Like I've, you just got to find weird and wacky ways to keep yourself motivated. So yeah, um, and like I think I don't know. I mean, I've seen so you know I've like I guess with like Jen doing the tan loop, I think Rambo doing this lake loop the other day. Like I think you know like other guys are finding finding new ways to like at least have not a race, but some sort of, you know, at least some sort of blowout to keep yourself, uh, keep motivated to keep working towards something. So that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. It was, uh, it was yeah. nice. I actually, I, I watched that, um, uh, a little clip that tempo journal put out. Is it right? I think his name is Riley Wolf. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, was, yeah. Riley does a lot of photos. Man. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Man. Not oh yeah. Store, I, I think so. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had a, I've had a look at his website, and uh, I watched a little video that that he put out of of Jen's race the other day. Super high quality. I'll um I'll, I'll chuck a, a, a link in um, when I post it, so anyone who's interested in checking it out. But yeah, it's it's a really. I think he touched on that. It's like um, it could be a really frustrating, disappointing time if you just let all the I guess that hard work just stagnate. Like you've so Jen was obviously mm. incredibly fit and. I caught up with her on the podcast a, a couple of months earlier and she was saying that she, you know, she'd been training pretty hard and she'd started to increase some of her longer runs and putting in a few more K. So it was good to see her be able to, I guess, maybe release a little bit of frustration and, and, and stuff. And it was a, a ridiculous time she ran. So that was good to say. Who's who's Rambo, man? Who was that? Matt Ramson. Oh, yeah, yeah. So what did he do? Yeah, yeah. So he busted out a lap of... Uh, there's a... What did I see? Um... I don't know. I don't know the lake specifically. Like I'm gonna run around or anything, but I think it's what's it called, Lake Monga. I think that's how you say it, Monga. Uh, some some three and a half k loop around a lake in Perth, and so he, I think he, sm- I think he smashed out the fastest time for a lap around that, which is, I think it's three and a half k, and he ran like nine twenty five. Oh my god! Not sure. Something like that. Maybe nine thirty. I'm not entirely sure. It was. It was pretty quick. He ran like two slow two forties, I think, average on Sandy's and two forty on the dot. So something like that. Yeah. You gotta do it. Yeah, yeah, you gotta do it. Maybe I should try and go down and break fifteen minutes for the tan to get rid of <laughs> to get rid of my Melbourne Marathon yeah. Um well, have, have you got anything lined up for yourself? Is there anything you're you're sort of eyeing off? Oh, uh, there's a well, Brisbane doesn't really have a I wouldn't say we have like a loop, something like the tan off Centennial Park like uh, Melbourne and Sydney do, but there's a few things around, I know there's a few things around here that I've kind of been eyeing off. There's a, um, where one of the park runs is, out of this, out of this place called Kedron, uh, suburb of Brisbane. That's a pretty darn fast park run. Um, yes, yeah, so I, I, I did a threshold on it last Friday and it was a pretty far, it's a very fast deck. So it's one, I don't know, it's one thing I've been, Maybe maybe eyeing off to just get out there and see how fast I could run a five k on a park run course. Um, there's a few there's a few things yeah there's a few things as a out of the University of Queensland there's a there's a there's a um, there's a dirt track that's about two and a bit k out that a lot of people run on a lot of people train on it too so maybe uh, no, they maybe just the like try and go for the fastest time out and back on that a, yeah so just things like that maybe I've had sort of had my eye on to say like well maybe I could do that just as a little something to keep me going but yeah so I guess that's like yeah like I said we don't really have a tan or a centennial park or anything like that which is like that well known 
So I guess I've got to be a bit creative about something I might want to go after here. Yeah, you must be a patient man because um, I've been watching your progress during the summer season over here and I noticed yeah, you'd busted out. Well, I saw your, your Zatapec race. Um mm. Which was which was bloody impressive, and actually one of one of my mates who I do the podcast with from time to time, we call him the Guru. He uh, he had you picked. What did you finish at Zatapec this year? Was it third or fourth? Third. Third. Yeah. So he had you he had you picked for the top three, and at that stage, I was I was looking at some of the other blokes who were lining up, going, "Oh, I'm not 100 percent sure." He goes, "Mate, trust me." He goes, "This guy's in. He's in form." Um. So it's a, it's a, a little bit. A little bit of a bummer for you that uh, you know you started a pretty hot season and would you say you're supposed to be at Mount Laguna now? Has it been has it been annoying? Just to, I know there's bigger problems than than running and stuff going on in the world, but from a runner's perspective, it's it's interesting because there would have been some some uh, I guess some fairly good opportunities to smack out a big race. Was that was that frustrating for you, or how have you dealt with the whole um, just the sporadic nature of, of what's been going on from a from a running perspective anyway? Um. Well. I haven't, I haven't really thought a whole lot. Well, I don't. I try not to sit there and think too much about the, at least from a running point of view, the predicament that that we're in. Because I think it comes down to the fact that well, everyone's going through it. So, um, you know, it's it's not something that I'm that is unique to me that I'm you know I'm dealing with that other people aren't. Um, and look, to be honest, I mean, I just kind of look back to. Oh, I remember this time last year. I just I, I did World Cross. I got and you know had a pretty sh- had a pretty shocking performance there. I got pr- you know got towelled up pretty badly and then got injured pretty shortly after. And then uh, you know fast forward to fast forward to May of last year. Like well, that fast forward from then to May last uh, last year. You know I um, had a hip injury where I was struggling to walk. Um, yeah, I remember I went to uh, went to Spain on and you know went to the uh, training camp with where the rest of you know Melbourne Track Club was and ran for like two days, maybe three, and I was just in a lot of pain. Um, and I couldn't really, yeah, just like I'd gone all that way. I you know gone all that way to try and make something out of a out of a, you know something out of a season and like. Couldn't do anything, so I found, you know flew home. I was a week after and um, got a scan. I had a uh, I hadn't quite torn my labrum, but it was pretty close, really, pretty pretty torn. So I missed the whole track season last year, and so and then just had to sort of build myself back, build myself back from being pretty unfit to towards the end of the you know to the end of the year. It's out of fact running twenty eight fifteen. So and a lot of that I did running salt like. You know, I was back home in Brisbane. I wasn't training. I didn't have any training partners around. So, um, but you know, just getting back to this is like I was in a pretty bad place then, and so I kind of look at myself now. And it's like, well, I still have I have a lot to be thankful about that I'm healthy. I can run. I'm probably in. I'm in some of the best shape I've been um, running, and you know, I'm running pretty running good, consistent. Like I've got training down pretty consistently and you know running pretty pretty good volume every week without getting too without getting banged up or too sore so there's a lot to be there's a lot for me to be thankful for and that you know i'm grateful i'm in this position so you know i i guess i just compare where i'm where i where i am now compared to where i've been mm. and it's not for that yeah. so you know it's like there'll be races on it's just an, 
got to be a bit patient for now. Um, you know, and like running doesn't have to be as intense at the moment. Like I just try and focus on making three days out of the week good. So Tuesday's doing one, like Tuesday session, Friday threshold run, and then a long run Sunday. I just, if I can focus on making three days good in the week, the, like the important, uh, at this point, at this point, well, the training we're doing at the moment, with everything going on, if I can make three days good, then that's a win. Yeah. Is that pretty much Nick's, ad- Nick's advice to the whole group? Just, uh, you know, th- I, I, this is a win. Do what you can with uh, with the cards you've been dealt. Yeah. Well, I think everyone's doing just K's on Tuesday and a threshold Friday. I'm pretty sure. I think everyone's pretty much just doing that. Um, yeah. So we're not, do- no one, I don't think, we're not doing three sessions a week just uh, at the moment because, well, there's nothing, nothing we're really preparing for that's around the corner. So mm-hmm. until I, until I guess anyone, until I guess we know what's coming up next and what we're training for, then, you know, it's just a way of taking a, taking a step back, staying, like, staying fit. Um, you're not really losing too much and just, um, you know, keeping a good baseline of fitness and, and shape. And so that when something comes up again, um, You'll be able to, you know, we'll all be able to step it up a bit and then get ready to go. Yeah, man. Yeah, um, dude. What happened to your hip? So how did how did that injury come about? Um, I I imagine I'm pretty sure that um, I'm pretty sure I did it at World Cross. So the the course was pretty was um, had some very sharp uphills and downhills, and so I would imagine that probably on if I had to get, I, I don't really know exactly what the trigger like the event was that sort of started it but i imagine my best guess is it would have been at world cross probably going to probably going down some of those pretty sharp downhills i mean i'm a big i'm a taller heavier guy than most runners so i don't know maybe just a bit more weight going downhill just just knocked it about so yeah that would that would probably be my best guess it started hurting after world cross so yeah i think that was probably when i did it yeah okay yeah you are what height are you man i was standing at the finish line um just uh just cheering for cheering for you boys this year i felt like such a fangirl at the end of zadapak and i noticed you and you and big mckenty had the well actually you stewie big mckenty patty tin is a pretty tall unit as well isn't he but you look like you might have had them all covered yeah so i'm a bit taller than stewie i think yeah they're both pretty tall i mean but i'm i think i'm i think my height is Six four and a half, so whatever that is, like what one ninety five something like that. Yeah. yeah. So I'm a little taller than Stewie. Pat's around the same height as Stewie, I think. So I'm a little taller than him as well. Yeah. Um. So I think I do. Have, I would have them just covered. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. For I couldn't believe it, man, because uh, it didn't seem like that long ago. All the best. It's it's strange. It seems like all the or maybe not so much anymore. I'm thinking of Haley Gebra Celesi in that back in the day. They all seem to be tiny. Kenanisha Bakili. But then you've got yeah, yeah, Asbel Kiprops, who I know is a, a naughty name to mention at the moment. But uh yeah, there's some there's some big thoroughbreds coming through. So man, so you're so you're well on top of your, your hip injury now then. How did you how did you manage that? That was just some some a bit of love, a bit of nurture. What were you doing? Um I got home, I got a I got a scan the day I got back from Spain, actually. Got, saw a sports doc and then was just in the physio for like, uh, I probably, I think I had about five, maybe six weeks off. Um, but in that six weeks off, I was doing, like I was doing, you know, I was at the physio every day. Um, did a lot of Pilates, actually, because I think the, the, 
the basic idea with how I rehab my hip back was that I, um, it's not so much healing the labrum itself, but basically just, um, I just got all, you know, all the muscles in the glute and hip around it really strong so that where I was getting pain wasn't, wasn't taking any load. And so then it just healed itself over time. So I was able to start running again after six weeks and I wasn't having any issues. Um, so yeah, it was, it was basically just a lot of rehab, a lot of, uh, Pilates was a big part of that. Um, just, yeah, a lot of exercises. So I just try to bring the same intensity into, as I would in running into the rehab. Um, and I managed to fix it, which is good. Yeah. What are, I've, I've done a little bit of yoga. Like I've heard, I've heard a lot of yoga talk at the moment, but I haven't heard too much Pilates talk. So Pilates is more, uh, rather than flexibility, it's just more like a specific focus on strengthening particular muscle groups, is it? Um, I believe so. Yeah, I'm not that well versed in Pilates. I don't do like I don't do a whole lot of it. Um, I really don't, I don't do it as a strength and conditioning part of my training. I just you know do do gym, but um, yeah, I, it's kind of well, you just you, you know you're on that reformer, and so a lot of it's just um, you know you're just pushing against resistance and that kind of thing. So I think well, there's different types of yoga as well. Um, some yoga is just more uh, what, what most people think of yoga is, you know, you're sort of sitting there stretching, you've got the nice music and the nice smells and all that sort of stuff. But, um, you know, there's harder yoga as well. Uh, but I think, yeah, Pilates is more just from a, um, I'm pretty sure it's just more about strength through some base, you know, some basic functional movements and positions. I think I might be wrong. Yeah. I'm not really sure. That's kind of how I look. That's kind of how, what I thought of it when I was doing it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. not convinced. Many people know what it is. So you said it with enough confidence to be able to get away with it. I reckon, but you've <laughs> you convinced me. So what are you yeah. what are you doing in terms of volume now, man? Yeah, yeah. So you got your three harder sessions at the moment, and like in terms of miles per week or k's per week, what are you clocking up? Um, last two weeks I've I hit 150 last week from last Sunday. Uh, yesterday, week four is at one forty-five. But before that, I was for about um for about a seven-week period, bar one where I raced in uh at the Run the Bridge race in Hobart. I think that was I was running about one hundred and sixty, maybe a bit over per week. Um, yeah, sort of one sixty plus. But that was when we were doing three sessions a week. Um, we're sort of fully into it. Um, so at the moment, it's a bit. Uh, at the moment it's a bit lower. Um, so one day is a one day is a bit of a long, just one longer run instead of a double. Um, I don't double. I'm not doubling quite as much. Just, I mean, it's it's not really. It, it, I'm not like re, like regimenting myself when I double and when I don't. It's more of a how I feel on the day kind of thing. So, because like I said, yeah, just the focus is to try and be good on three days of the week, and then um, the rest the rest is just you know, easy running to make, you know, easy running to make sure you're good for the next, for the next thing as it comes. So at the, but at the moment, I say my mind, which is roughly, it'll probably roughly, it'll mostly be around 145 to 150 at the moment. Pretty yeah, consistently. Cause I, yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, it, that's a good, it's, that's enough for me to keep a good baseline of fitness out of it. Enough volume as like a five say 10 K guy, but, I don't feel like I need to be doing 160 plus every single week at the moment. Um, just 
a little too much risk for the reward, especially with nothing going on for me. So yeah, no, that makes sense. It's um, it, it's a, a a pretty key feature. Like I've sort of been in and around Bedo's group, at least. I've never trained with Bedo, but I've um, run with a lot of his athletes just over the years. I, I ran with Cole and, and Paul. I don't know if you know Paul Hoffman from back in the day. Actually, I reckon he might have been a Queensland mm. guy originally, but he was he was sort of like 2007. He was living out in Ballarat. He'd run, he must have run like 7.55. I think he'd run 3.40. Um, but he's, I, I think he might have even been a couple of years older than, than Cole. He's in the States now, I'm pretty sure. But... Um, just through rubbing shoulders with these guys. And then a, a lot of the guys on the podcast have been from MTC. I've noticed there's a, there seems to be a real key focus on, on volume. Like there does seem to be a pretty consistent uh, correlation, whether you're a 1500 meter runner to a, a marathon runner, that everyone's busting at a, a fair few Ks. Like what, what, what is it in the, in the volume that you guys uh, are sort of taking away? What blew my mind actually was when, when I had Stewie on the podcast, Stewie McSwain, um, is he was telling me that he when he ran three thirty one he and this is what I love about Stu he's the most humble bloke in the world he just he just sort of says it he's like mate so laid back he goes yeah man like when I ran three thirty one I'd done no fifteen hundred meter work like or no speed work faster than sixty seconds per lap that sort of blew my mind because whenever I used to go out to a fifteen hundred if I hadn't smashed out some real hard fast speed work I would be you know questioning myself for my ability to keep up with it but I, I don't know like there seems to be a I guess a fairly consistent ability from a lot of MTC guys and girls to to whack out a fast time off that volume. Like, what what's the story there? Do you reckon? Um, uh, I mean, I I sort of see it as well, like just as just as Stewie and you know running that time off, not doing not running you know faster than sixty seconds to four hundred pace, or not doing specific speed work. I think you know he. I I just see it as you know he's so like he's that fit and he's in that good shape he can just um running that time you know he can do that just purely from a strength um basis and so he doesn't really need a whole lot of speed to be able to do that um I don't know like a lot of you know there's a lot of different coaching styles and a lot of different schools of thought Nick's is just well, as far as I, as far as I understand it's just you know um you know doing it doing a lot of volume and, and a lot of that and um, coming at it more from a strength basis is, is applicable from the 800 up to the marathon. So um, I think that's, that's more from the Arthur Lydia school of thought in terms of coaching. So uh, yeah, I think it's probably more, I don't know. I, I always thought it'd be his training suits athletes that are a bit more developed and older because um, I don't know. I, I remember when I was younger, um, I did, you know, it's like when I was, you know, when I did 1500s, I did more speed work and things, but I've always thought there's a, there's a lot of diminishing returns to doing a lot of speed work. Like, you know, maybe touching it every now and again can, can do a lot of good for you. But if you make it something that you do a lot in place of the, of the things, uh, you know, in, in place of like the basic fundamental things that make you good at distance running, then, um, you can be losing out more than you're gaining. I don't know. That's how I've, I've always thought about it. Um, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. I agree. I always noticed that actually. Like it was, it was always nice at the start of a track season to 
especially as a junior, you'd make that transition from the, the longer stuff to just that speed stuff. But then by January, if all you've done is speed stuff, that ability to finish your races is, I guess, that diminishing turns, uh, diminishing returns problem that you just spoke about. That Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But hey, you, um, have you have you been tempted to come down this way full-time? Like I know you said you spent a couple of months down here. What's the reason you're staying up in Queensland and, and, and not getting down here to uh, train with the guys full-time? Is that just your study? Um. That's part of it, yeah. Uh, I mean, at the moment, at the moment, finance like I can't do it financially at oh, the moment. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's, uh, oh, it's it is something I've definitely, you know, I think it's something like I, I do think about it a lot now. It's something I probably, um, I don't know, like I, I'm, like yeah, I've definitely thought about it a lot. I don't really. I don't really have a concrete answer as to why I'm not down that, you know, I haven't moved down there at the moment. The main one is financial, but, um, I do really like, I do really love Queensland. Um, yeah. So, and I think, uh, I mean, with how, you know, with how mobile the group is, you know, spending, you know, a lot of time you can spend half a year overseas. So if you, if you move to Melbourne, I mean, how much time, how much time you're actually spending down there? That's a good point. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of think of it as well. Well, you know, if I can be down there when I need to be down there, um, and you know, it can be, can be home, uh, you know, it can be home the other times when I don't get when it's not necessary to be down there. And then, you know, overseas, everyone's together anyway. So that's kind of how I've sort of thought about it. Um, and you know, I, I, I tend to be pretty happy at home. Like I'm pretty, yeah, I, I doesn't, uh, like I, I, I like things that are familiar and things that are comfortable. So, um, no, that's, I, I feel the best training when that, when things are familiar. So um, I think those things are probably the reasons why I haven't moved down yet. Not saying that I won't um, at any point, but there's just still, at the moment, there's still more reasons to, that make sense to be here and just be in Melbourne. I need to be rough versus um, being down there full time. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That's a good point you say about being overseas. How much time do athletes actually spend in australia when you're running at your level anyway what are you away for four or five months of the year like without COVID, uh, without coronavirus could, pumping the yeah, air you probably could be i don't know i don't know how much time if coronavirus wasn't around i don't know how much don't know exactly how much time i would have spent overseas um probably probably a few months i'd, I'd probably say a, a few months i mean all things considered i'm not not really sure but um yeah, probably a good probably a good amount of time, and then you know the the sort of the back half of the year when you're not if you're not race if you're not racing on the track, uh, you know you just getting back into your you know fundamental conditioning phase and your training, and then you know doing road races here, which you know you don't, I I did that last year trained here and I did pretty well, especially coming back from injury. So I didn't find it was necessary to be in a particular place. Like, you know, I have a good routine here as well. And I can, um, you know, I can get, I can, I'm getting pretty good at getting it done here. So, yeah, it's yeah. a good point. Like, if it's not broke, why fix it? I guess, yeah, your progress the last couple of years has, has screamed, hey, just keep doing what you're doing. But how, what, how old are you now, man? 25. Yeah, beautiful. Awesome. So, uh, what's that? You got a, mate, there's a, there's a, I know it's pretty standard sort of story when in the middle distance, seeing 25 to sort of 35, if you're a Benny St. Lawrence, you start pumping out super quick times but there's some there's some quality athletes all around there who um when you when you do come down and train with Bado's, uh, Bado's group like are there are there any standout it's strange man like a 
I've been loving watching the um, the Brett Robinsons of the world. Like that, his half marathon a little while ago was obviously disgusting, and then Stewie around the track, and then the uh, I guess the professionalism of a bloke like Gregson's good to good to rub shoulders with. Is there anyone in the group that just stands out, guys or girls who? Um, like you sort of admire for, for the work they put in, the professionalism? Like is there, if you had to name one or two of the guys that um, you really respect based on the way they approach it, who who would they be? Uh, well, I mean, really really most of the group is like that. But if I had if I really had to name, I'd probably say Grego, to be honest, if I had to name anybody. Um, yeah. I mean, he's probably, if there's any example of Barter set, in terms of professionalism and just the way you do things, it'd probably be it'd probably be him and Jen and how they do things. Yeah, if I had to name it, if I had to name anybody, but to be honest, to be honest, like any you know, most people, most people in the group adhere to that standard, um, and you know, are pretty disciplined. So that's the reason everyone. That's the reason um, there's a lot of success in the group is just that, like there's there's a standard and everyone adheres to it and everyone works hard. Um, everyone's pretty disciplined and. Has a good temperament, so yeah, everyone's, it, everyone's got everyone's got the ingredients to success. Yeah, that, that's good. So it's almost an expectation once you once you become a part of that group. Like if you want to if you want to actually stay at Melbourne Track Club, you're going to have to live up to these expectations, or is that just sort of something that's put upon yourself just based on the fact you're rubbing shoulders with everyone else who's doing that? Uh, uh yeah. I mean, the, I mean, there's definitely the expectations put on you, you know, by Nick, and um, but. He doesn't really have to impress it to, or he doesn't really have to, you know, constantly remind you or anything. Unless, um, unless you really, unless you sort of, unless you're really screwing up or anything. But <laughs> you know, if, if you're really screwing up, you're not going to last very long. So it's kind of a, I mean, the way I see it, it's just you know, most people like most of the other like most of the other guys and girls in the group will hold you more to the standard than Nick will sort of come walk, you know, in terms of walking over and giving you a telling off. But you know, it's you may just sort of, you may just feel like you want to, at least I know this is true for me, like you may just feel like you want to adhere to those expectations more than you don't want to. So mm. that's just kind of how I see it. Yeah. How long have you been training with Nick for? Uh, since the start of 2019. Yeah. So okay. all, of, all of last year and then this year. Yeah, yeah, sure. Sure. So did you have a, who are the, I've spent a little bit of time, I think, is it Pat Chloe Hesse? Who's the who's the? He's a great man. He's like eighty five years old now. Is it is it Pat that I'm thinking of? There's one of the old coaches up in Queensland who, when I came up and ran like the uni fifteen hundred a few years ago, he was. Yeah. Know. So uh, I Pat Chloe. Yeah, he's yeah he's I mean he's pretty in terms of in Australia for sure. He's a bit of an old revered coach. He's like ninety. I think he's. He might be not. No, I'm not sure if he's turned 90 or he's turning 90, but he's pretty old. <laughs> um, yeah. But I uh, know one of the um, – oh, so when I was in high school, I got coached by a uh, coach called Tony Booth. He's 91. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that might, I don't know if that's who you were thinking of, but, yeah, he's uh, he's one of the – he's, uh, he's probably one of the oldest living – he would be one of the oldest living uh, living coaches in Australia still around. So, yeah, um, that's who I got coached by in high school. So it might be who you're thinking of. Yeah, possibly. I was just, I was just thinking. I don't know a heap of coaches up in Queensland, but I knew that Pat had a pretty good reputation. But um, yeah, mate, there's something in the blood up there. I reckon there's a there's a few good oldies who are who are coaching. But I used to be coached by a bloke called I don't know if you've ever heard of Joe Carmody. He was sort of like a 
a Gippsland legend, which is country Victoria down here. And he was, uh, I moved back to um, Victoria from WA when I was about 14 years old and I'd heard of this bloke and he sort of reminded me of Bill Bowman from what I'd heard. And I loved, uh, oh, yeah. I loved Steve Prefontaine. So I thought, mate, yeah, I gotta, I gotta meet this bloke. So anyway, we went down to the track and he must've been about 78 and he was doing two hundreds. <laughs> and uh, it was, he was yeah. going pretty hard as well. So it was, uh, yeah, man, there's, there's something about these oldies that are, that are doing a good job. Maybe it's the fact they've been around for so long. No, I was just, I was interested to, to find out who you were with before Nick, but, um, Mem- I went uh, to I, w- I went to college as well. Um, so for the past since twenty, uh, yeah, twenty fourteen, I went to college as well. So that was that took up about yeah, that took up that took up five years of my development as well. So it wasn't I haven't really, um, I haven't really probably been coached or like trained and been coached by like in Queensland and by someone from Queensland since. Uh, well, since the start of 2014, that was when I, um, so I went to college in August of 2014. So which, which college were you at? Um, uh, Arkansas, most of my time. Is yeah. it the same as, did Sean Forrest go to Arkansas? He did. He did. He has the, he has the school record, he has the school record in the, or the college, re- like the Arkansas record in the 10K. Ran, I think he, yeah, 2750-something is what he ran in college. He was, uh, yeah, he was a weapon. He was right. a weapon, man. Mm. Is that where did he just beat Cheserit? Was that an NCAA title or something? He he won there because I remember he he sort of went he quiet ne- for a couple of years or something, then just went bang. He nearly beat Galen Rupp at uh, the NCAA championship. That's what it was. Yeah, man. Yeah. Oh. So how did college life treat you? What did you What did you think about it over there? Oh, it was. I mean, it was a lot of fun. Um, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I I found. Uh, you know, I, I ended up in a program that was really that was really instrumental for me. Um, you know, and I I developed quite a lot. You know, Arkansas is a very historic program, so yeah, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of history and a lot of you know people who come before you to sort of um, you know as motivation for you to sort of I, at least somewhat live up to those people and what they've done before you. So yeah, it was a it was really good. For, it was really good for my running. Um, yeah, and I really enjoyed it. I got ran some, pretty, you know, got some really good results over there, and that was, and that sort of allowed me to. It was really off the back of that that you know allowed me to, um, oh, I guess you know, keep having a future in running, have a future with it with Melbourne Track Club and all that. So yeah, it was, um, yeah, like I said, it was very, it was really instrumental for my running. I and I really enjoyed my time there, which was good. Yeah. So was that a scholarship that you got over at Arkansas? Uh, I didn't initially start on a scholarship, but I, I ended up with one towards the end, like half of one, I think. But, um, no, I think you call them, they call them walk-ons over there. So you just, you're on a team with no scholarship. So that's what I started, like started out as. So I was, you know, pretty fortunate that my, you know, pretty fortunate that my parents support me in that way. So, um, but you know, I ran, ran well and earned, and earned a bit of my way as I went along. So that's kind of a, that's a bit of a bad. That's a bit of a badge of honor. I'm kind of proud of because a lot of you know a lot of kids go like will go over on full scholarships and um, you know I wasn't particularly that I wasn't really that good in high school. I was pretty you know I think I'd run like three fifty in the fifteen hundred. So nothing crazy or anything. But I was able to and so, like they didn't give me a, a big foot in the door at a lot of places. But 
Um, you know, I I took took a lot of chances on myself and it ended up paying paid off. So that's that's kind of what I, you know. I'm pretty proud of that. Yeah, three fifty is still pretty solid in high school. What's that? So seventeen or eighteen year? I was eighteen. Yeah. Bloody hell, that's good. I think I ran three fifty nine when I was nineteen and thought I was a hero. But mind you, I didn't get a I didn't get a uh, I didn't get a spot at Arkansas. But um, so what was it that made you want to go over to the states to do your training? I'm always interested, actually. Like uh, I was, I, I grew up with a bloke called I don't know if you know Craig Huffer. He's he's about thirty. He's he's run like three thirty six, Melbourne boy. I know. Yeah, I know. I know Huffer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think he spent a little bit of time at Adams. Is it Adams State? Over, yeah, over the, yeah. I'm always interested just to hear about the decision to go over there because um, is it just the opportunity, well, the excitement, the yeah? What what sort of lured you? Well, for me, it was for me, it was just um, a bit of a fresh start, fresh beginning. Um, I was a bit, you know, pretty. I was sort of going pretty stagnant in running, and uh, how I was running, especially coming out of high school. Um, there wasn't. Uh, like I didn't really have good tra- like you know training partners that are similar or better level to myself to keep pushing me forward. So I did. I needed a bit of a change and a bit of a different, bit of a fresh start, new direction kind of thing. So, um, yeah. I mean, I think for me it was just sort of the. For me, it was definitely just like the lure of it, the excitement of it, and but mostly it was just, um, mostly for me, yeah, it was just a fresh, just a fresh start. It's, um, add a bit of add a bit of new flavor, new spice into what I was doing, and um, yeah, it paid off pretty well. So um, I don't know where I would be running wise if I hadn't gone to college. I, probably, I don't think I would still be running, to be honest. Um, you know, because I'm kind of if I'm not if I'm not if I feel like I'm wasting my time and not enjoying something, I just I stop doing it. So if I ever got to that point in running, I probably would stop doing it. So. Um, if yeah, if I hadn't gone to college, I might be in that position. Yeah. So, what you went to college a three fifty athlete? What's the what's the sort of turnaround from what you entered Arkansas at compared to what you got back to Australia with? I can actually, I can imagine even chuck on another couple of years to that because I'd I'd love to see the sort of projection. I can imagine your ten k's just improved dramatically well, since then as well. Well, I never did a ten k on the track in college. The first one I did actually was. Um, at Zatapak in 2018, so just like just after I'd finished, um, I wish I had done a, a 10k on the track in college because I would have liked to, you know, because we got to go, you know, we got to go to Stanford and things like that. Where running a 10k, it's it's about the most, especially if you're, a, you know, mid, I guess like mid tier to upper tier level runner, and you're trying to, because you know the best 10ks in the world can, like you know, the Diamond Leagues and whatever can be run at like 27 flat or faster pace, and if you're not fit enough for it you just get really punished but Stanford you know you got a you know you got a couple of sections you know you got races that range from you know 29 mid to um you know close to 28 minutes so um yeah I wish I kind of done one in college just to see what I could have done at that time but yeah I didn't didn't do one in college um but so when I yeah when I entered Arkansas I'd never done a 5k I think the only I was really I'd only done 1500 so I was 350 and one uh if you want to count the 800 or the 350 1500 on a 153 in the eight by the time i finished um i'd run 29 and a half minutes for 10k across country 
Oh. I mean, not that that's really, I mean, cross country times are, you know, whatever. Like, it's not, you can't really count them because courses are different, all that stuff. Um, I'd run 3.39 in the 15, um, 7.54 in the 3K, 13.28 in the 5K. Jeez, man. So that's that's where I finished up at the end of college. That's yeah. crazy. So obviously that's some natural development as well, some strength kicking in. But what were the big changes in training over there? Oh, my volume went up. My, like I like a lot more volume, a lot more um, a lot more strength specific stuff. So like I said earlier, like I used to, I, I did a lot more speed work when I was a kid. But yeah, I think I kind of figured out as I've gotten older. You know, I've I might have been losing out a bit more, not working on my strength as much as my speed, especially in certain times of the year. So it was just a big step up in training. And, um, well, I actually, bro- I mean, I broke my foot after my first six months there. Um, that was kind of, stuff you, you know, that's just like a little, little bit of evidence to show that, yeah, I did step it up a lot. I can't, I'd say my, my overall mileage probably went from, uh, I might have, I don't, think, I don't think I was probably hitting 100K a week before I went or before I got to Arkansas. No, I definitely wasn't. And I was probably hitting like 130 when I first started getting there. So I broke, you know, I broke my foot after my first six months there, but, you know, got, got through that and then just kept chugging along. Um, I remember there was, yeah, it was a couple of years actually, like uh, two or three years or whatever it was, when I ran my 350 and in the 1500, I lined up for another one. And then I, I actually, when I PB'd finally, I PB'd by nine seconds. So I ran 341. <laughs> yeah. So that was, that was, I was just, it's kind of just like, uh, it's kind of like, you know, someone just, it was basically like someone just smashed the door open and shined a huge like flashlight, like a huge stadium light in my face. I was, yeah, like that was kind of the feeling. Um, yeah, so it was, uh, I, you know, it really was just, you know, getting a lot stronger, develop, like, you know, developing as an athlete as well. Um, I got a lot fitter and that just sort of raised everything up. Um, I remember I, the first 5K I did, I ran 13.54. I hadn't run a 5K before. Um, so that was, I didn't even, like, I thought of, you know, I was a bit scared of the distance because I didn't know if I was going to last the distance or anything like that. And um, but I remember it being, I felt really smooth just going through and so it was all right. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, I figured out when I was there that I was actually a better longer, well, at least longer distance on the track anyway. I was better at that stuff than I was the shorter stuff. I mean, not to say that I'm bad at a 1500 or anything like that, but I... Um, yeah, I, I found that I was just better at that longer stuff. I don't know if that's just more in tune with just how I just how I am as an athlete or anything like that. But yeah, it was. Uh, I probably I would say that I, I discovered myself a bit as a runner when I was there, um, and so I've kind of had a what I'm pretty. This is kind of why I'm, you know pretty excited to see where I can go in the future. Is I kind of I've just had a pretty linear progression in terms of my development. So it's never been. You know, I was here at one point and sort of regressed and then came back again. It's just, for me, it's all been pretty linear. A um, few hiccups along the way, but, you know, fairly, mostly a linear progression. So I, I'm pretty excited to see where I can go in the future. It's 
you know, keep chugging along, doing what I'm doing. Me too. Me too, man. Like even the that Zatapec race that you're in was a funny one as well for someone who hadn't had a like a ton of experience. Actually, wait, how many 10Ks did you say you'd run before that Zatapec race? One. So yeah, okay. So for a bloke who hasn't got much experience on the track over that distance at all, that's a, a crazy rack to, a race to be a part of. Like we were saying before the race started, I was looking at the start list just going, mate, this is ridiculous because you just you assumed that um a bloke like stewie and a bloke like patty would you know had a run around on it before would would have a real crack but for a bloke like yourself who's a little up in the air as to how fast you could go it's a did you find it was a difficult race to approach because it just it'd be daunting to say all right i'm just going to go out in 1345 and try and hold on if you wanted to run a fast time whereas the way that you ran it you seem i would love to know the the split like your first half compared to your second half because that second yeah, so our first half, um, so uh, Dave and myself were basically just, you know, controlling that second pack for the most part. I mean, Dave kind of led most of the first half of the race, and then I led pretty much the second half of the race in terms of that chasing pack. Um, and we sort of, well, I mean, we didn't really, you know, we didn't ourselves sort of strategize it in terms of like, you know, running together or anything, but it just ended up that we both kind of had a plan to run, try and run like 68 and then try and, you know, that would hopefully lead to as close to 28 minutes as possible. Um, we probably were a bit, I think the first half we went through in 14, 15. Yeah, um, okay. And so the second half was a 14 flat. So, um, yeah, so we negative split the race. Um, and I remember, uh, well, so the first 10K I did, I, you know, I think I went out in 14.07. I went out a bit, fair bit hot and then, uh, and then came back the second half and was just stinking towards the end. So I knew this, I knew this one, I just had to be a bit more measured in the in how fast I went out and then, um, you know, just try and not try and try and sustain the effort and not blow up at all in the second half. And that's kind of what I talked about with Nick the day before the race. So yeah, we were just, um, it was kind of a look if you're going to go out in 13.45 and try and run you know the times that Pat and Stewie did you've got to be ready for it because I think you would, you saw this with Harry Summers and how what happened with him in that race is just um, if you're not ready to run that, if you're not if you're not ready to run that kind of pace and run that time then well 10k is a long way and you, get, you can get found out even even on two laps you can really tie up so um, I like I I backed my fitness, but I didn't think that at that time I was ready for that kind of pace, which I think was the smarter move. Um, and just in terms of trying to get to the Olympics, you know, I knew that well before COVID nineteen and everything, like the the plan was to, you know, have a crack at that kind of pace and that time at Peyton Jordan at the start of May. Um, so yeah, like but for you know for that race, it was just like, yeah, we negative split it. Um, I think in retrospect, you know, with how I felt at the end of the race, I think in retrospect, I might have, you know, maybe could have gone out, a, could have gone out a bit quicker in the first half and still um, finished like we did because we finished like uh, I know, I know, Dave and myself finished the last K of the race. You know, we were, you know, kicking down the last K pretty well. So yeah, I mean, it's hindsight, but you know, I think. Uh, with how I felt after running that time, like I didn't feel it was a world of difference between 
that one and the year before where I was just completely spent running 28.49. Like this time, I felt a lot better finishing. Finishing, you know, kind of look at it and think, well, I know that I'm tracking the right way to be able to, in the future, you know, I'm running those 20, you know, in the 27-minute range, which mm. um, you don't get there overnight. Uh, it takes a lot of work, but, um, you know, I'm, tra- I'm tracking towards it pretty well, I think. So is that what you were looking at for Tokyo? Were you looking at the 10K, the 5K, or maybe having a sneak peek at both? Um, well, I think primarily trying, you know, because 5Ks can count towards 10K points, I, I think the plan was, well, for the Olympics being this year, um, the plan was going to be uh, go to Peyton Jordan, try and run, you know, if I could run 27.50, 27.45, something like that. And then go to Europe after and try and run a fast five. Then hopefully that would have been enough. Um, you know, do as much as you can, obviously, but hopefully that would have been enough to get me into the 10k on the roll down. You know, very speculative because you know you never know what other athletes are going to do and who's going to throw on a good time, all that kind of stuff. So um, that was kind of that was the rough plan. Um, and, you know, if I could pick up the 5K standard along the way, um, you know, if that happened, great. But, like, the 5K was pretty, you know, the 5K, you know, you, any one time you get four or five guys at that standard, you know, trying to make the team. So I think I approached it as, the five, you know, trying to get in the team for the 10 because of, because it was more, it was a simpler matter of just get in shape to get close to the standard and run and get on the team versus, you know, in the five, there's just a bit more uncertainty. So I put more eggs in the 10K basket and then, just, you know, to pick up the 5K along the way, that would have been good. But, um, you know, and the, I guess the good thing for me now is that I've got, got an extra year to try, you know, to really try just to keep keep building on and bolster the, you know, the strength I have in the 10K to make the team next year, hopefully. Yeah. So how does the qualifying process change for you guys now? Does it just mean it's left open for a little bit longer to... Well, I guess it has to be, doesn't it? Because not everyone's yeah. qualified already. So what, um, I think what's been announced is that um, rankings points earned in the qualification period already um, will still count towards um, next year. But they're just, well, because no one knows when competitions are going to resume, if at all, this year. So um, the any results earned between like now and the first of December won't count towards qualifications, but I think they're just opening up the call, opening up qualification from the first of December again through till the 29th of June next year. Okay, and when's the Olympics scheduled to start next year? Now, do you know? I think the 24th of July till or whatever uh, the 13th of August. I think is the Olympic date. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah. I think it's, it's the same as what it was this year, but just a year later. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Gee, you'd hate to be on that organising committee. You'd feel uh, you'd feel a bit of pressure to. I guess that, that takes the pressure off when the whole world decides they're not coming to your event. But at the same time, just <laughs> looking forward to getting this out, this big one out of the way, and being able to put your feet yeah. up. Yeah. Oh uh, well. Yeah. It's well. You know, it was, it was always going to be a co- bit of a complex legal issue changing the games because you know there's a whole lot of uh, there's, you know, there's a whole lot of like contracts and agreements for the games to be hosted at a certain date, certain place, all that stuff. And so, 
Um, it took us, it took as long as it did because it was just sort of, yeah, nav- navigating the, the the legal minefield around that to make sure that look, um, the games could be postponed and that no one would get you know sued out the ass for moving it and that kind of stuff. So yeah, um, but glad it's done. Glad that everyone's kind of got a well. Everyone knows when it is now, you know, the date's been set, so everyone can just refocus their training towards it, which is good. Yeah, that makes sense. What are the what are the big um, factors when it comes to uh, people being sued and stuff? Is that just companies who have invested millions of dollars in sponsorship and um, what well, even yeah. in the lead up with ads and branding and material yeah. and things like that? Yeah, I, I think as far as I understand, it's just you know when you have contracts in in place and then oh, this is. You know, the best person on this actually is Bucks. Um, about yeah. this, you know, he's the, he's actually the he's actually the lawyer. Yeah, um, Buckingham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I believe, but I, as far as I understand it, I think it's just, um, you know, you have these terms in the contract that, you know, party A does for party B and all this kind of stuff. And so when those are broken, you know, when those terms are broken and things, well, and someone's you know maybe losing out a lot of money, you know, it opens the door for litigation and all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, it has to like that's yeah. I think that's probably why it took as long as it did to get a reschedule on the games and it was like a postponement, just because all that had to be navigated um, clearly and properly, so that um, yeah, so that wouldn't be that just this massive fallout of you know never-ending court cases and all this kind of stuff. So not to say that there won't be, because I mean I don't exactly know whether there will or won't be, but hopefully there's not. You know, because that'll that'll cost a lot of people a lot of money, and then that slows down stuff in the future. So, yeah, 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 man. I'm glad you mentioned Bucks. Actually, um, uh, when when I started speaking to you, and you mentioned that you were studying law, he was the first bloke that came into my head, and I reckon I need to spend more time talking to you guys because this this podcast is fun to do. But every time I listen back to it, I'm like, mate, all right, there's a few things. I laugh too loud. I talk too much. Um, so it's uh, it was good because when I had him on the podcast, I was I was laughing with him. I was actually I, was, I think I was laughing on the podcast the week after uh, because he would get to a he would get to the end of or he would get to what I thought was the end of what he was saying, and then he would just he would pause to make sure that um, what he was going to say was what he actually wanted to say. And I always take yeah. any pauses. Okay, it's my time to speak. And it took me about ten minutes just to figure out that he was actually just being really thoughtful with what he was saying. So uh, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I took so many notes from that conversation. Um, but uh, yeah. I'd, I'd have blast with him, man. That was. Are, are you guys pretty tight? Yeah. No, yeah, he's I'm, a great fella. Yeah. No, we at Bucks and I actually were because um, well, he was in Spain last year as well, and so he he and I were rooming together. So I never met him before that, actually. But um, oh wow. Yeah, so uh, no, Bucks and I are pretty close. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I try. I, I give him, give him a bit of shit every now and again. Try and keep him on his toes. So, you know, what? Just you know. pr- show him you're the better lawyer. Oh uh, well, no, no, not not that. <laughs> more running, I guess. Like, yeah. You know, oh, he's got. He's unfortunately got a. He's got a little bit, little bit of a stigma that people think he's soft. So I'm like, oh, on Bucks, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. So yeah, so. I try and get, I try and uh, oh, I got tease him a bit about that, but nah, it's all good fun. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's a good fella. He's a good fella. You're not true. You're not true mates in Australia, are you? Unless you start giving shit to you. That's how it works in my friendship circles, as well. As far as I know, and yeah. based on that, my friends love me a whole heap. Yeah, I, 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 know. <laughs> I don't know. It took me. It took me. It probably took me a bit to figure out. You know, because like when I first. Um, 
Oh, when I first met Geordie, actually, like I think all the all the all that he did was give me shit. And so, <laughs> like, so we were at Falls in November. Him, Dave, myself, and Lockie Butler. Actually, we're all we're all in uh, one house. And um, no, I, I yeah, I uh, I figured out well because I hadn't you know I'm not don't live in Melbourne or anything, so I didn't spend as much time around those guys as they probably spend around each other. But um, yeah, no, I figured I figured pretty quickly that um, <laughs> that that's more about how George, just Geordie communicates generally. So if you can get you get over that, you get on with it fine. Yeah. What dishes? Just dishes a whole heap of shit just to welcome you to the group. Oh, pretty much. Yeah, pretty uh, much. He's he's all right. He's he's all right. He's just you know. He's just—he's just like a little bulldog. He just gets, you know, he wants to, just wants to get in there and let everyone try and bark the loudest. <laughs> oh, it's so good, and he's so handsome as well. You can't even have so much to throw at him. The little good-looking bugger. We left. Um, we left the Falls Creek a couple. I might edit that part out because that'll just—that'll only give him more fuel for his fire. Um, but uh, that... yeah, I'll get, I'll get, a, I'll get a text message from him and just be like, <laughs> "What are you saying?" <laughs> I'll make yeah. sure I use that as the advertisement for the episode. But yeah, we were up at Falls Creek a couple of a year and a half ago, and um, we we're just playing a little bit of pool. And I was with uh, Joel Birmingham, who's a good mate of mine, and a couple of other friends. And Geordie came over just to say g'day, and uh, he left. And my wife goes, oh, "Is he a runner?" And I go, "Yeah." And she goes, "Far out. He's actually." decent looking bloke like which you don't you don't hear much from the running circle so ever since then he's just been this gorgeous little italian stallion i don't know if he's italian he's he's just a he's just a good looking tan unit this is definitely getting edited he's a he's a good he's a good part sri lankan actually (laughs) is he really yeah he's a good part sri lankan i I don't know what degree of sri lankan he is at least 70 percent based on that tan i reckon Oh, it depends. Depends on the circumstance. If it's more favourable to him to say he's more Sri Lankan, he'll say he's more Sri Lankan. <laughs> but if it's not, he'll you know say he's less. <laughs> oh, we all we all do that. We all do that. Yeah, it's true. I'm never I'm never so Aussie as when I'm in America. Yeah, I. I mean, I lost a bit of my. I lost a. Not well. Yeah, I definitely. You know, you lose a bit of your accent when you're over there for a while. But um, oh, I lost. I, it was funny, like I little bits of slang and stuff like that. Like I lost more than I thought I did when I went over. And I remember coming back and I just kind of listened to myself talking. Like, oh my god, like, that's just yeah. We we need to get rid of this Americanism or these Americanisms pretty quickly. Well, what kind of stuff were you saying? Well, you just had a little bit of a twang, uh, or are you just saying trash can and trunk and stuff like that? Yeah, uh, not so much that, but. Uh, little bits of vocabulary, not too much, but other stuff that were just like, um, uh, I guess kind of like how I, uh, like sounding into words and just little bits of like, um, just little bits of the accent coming through in some words that I'd say, I was just like, oh, shit, okay. <laughs> I'm kind of very American. So yeah. Um, but anyway, it was funny when I was there, um, I, you know, like the Arkansas guys would, they all, so in America, you know, in America, when you're saying the letter, the letter R, they say it, they like, they say like R, like that. A bit closer, like a pirate or something. And, <laughs> but you know, how we say it and how British people say it too is like, we sounded like it's AH. And so they found that really funny. I was just like, no, it's how you say the letter. But, yeah, it's just, anyway. And so, what, you just, you just adapted just so you'd, Stop getting shit from all your college mates. 
Oh, no, I, I kept, like, there's certain things I just didn't compromise on and I just kept saying it. Like, there was one time where um, we were in the locker room and, like, we had a locker room and uh, we were getting ready to go run. And um, we, someone was talking about their, their, like, their, like, uni schedule. And I said the word schedule, not schedule. They all said schedule and I didn't say it. And I was just like, you know, they're all trying to give me shit. And I'm just like, no, no, that's, that's like, that is English, English. That's how you say yeah. it. Is it actually, English. is it actually how you say it? Cause I think I failed that one as well. Schedule in my mind's very, uh, very old school, very, very born yeah. pre 1950s, but it is proper English. I pretty, yeah, I, so I got, I looked, I got my phone out, I looked up Oxford Dictionary Online, I typed the word in and pressed the sound button and it said schedule. And so like, and, and uh, I did that and everyone shut up and I was like, all right, fuck off, let's go around. And it was, it was pretty good. It was my one uh, drop the mic moment. That is a big um, win. That is a big win. I've got, my wife's brother lives in Oregon at the moment and every time we speak to him, like he's such a. He's such a Ori, like an Aussie guy. He loves being known as an Aussie, but he's been there for seven years now. And every now and then, he would just say something like, uh, he would just refer to the trash can. He would refer, he would say things like "dang," like not D A M N, but D A N G. And he'd be like, "Oh, it's yeah. it's dang this and it's dang that." I'm like, "Bro, like, yeah, who are you? You've lost here. I don't recognize you anymore. Like, do you still know where Australia is?" Yeah, like I, I think, well, because I was in, you know, more in the south. It's, I'm pretty sure damn as a word is like considered a swear word, so that's why they don't say it. I don't know. It's like that's that's how I always thought of it, but yeah, yeah. weird. Like, yeah. just, I don't know. Americans are a bit sensitive about these stuff. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. Dude, we've been talking for like a an hour twelve. I think that's a little bit of intro before we got started, but I'm gonna I'll let you go because um I'm sure you got plenty to do with the rest of your day but bro thanks for thanks so much for making the time to come on that was that was fun talking to you yeah no worries thanks for having me on